This is the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hey, I'm Tim Robertson. And I'm David Cohen. And I had to travel 6,000 miles just to get a decent Skype connection. In Scruffy, Florida, it's Tech Fan number 37. Hey, tech fans, I'm Tim Robertson, host of Tech Fan, and the other host is David Cohen, calling from Africa. That's right. I'm in Botswana tonight. Botswana. So what's it like in Botswana? Um, it's a bit like a scruffy Florida. <laughs> scruffy. <laughs> okay. That's kind, you got, that's kind of what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've got to clarify that because that's that might have been the funniest well, thing I've heard all day. <laughs> well, I, I spent a lot of time growing up in South Florida, so uh, I kind of know what it's like, and it kind of looks like that to me. It's very obviously it's very sunny all the time. It's winter here, so um, what their idea of a cold day is is to me, as a British person, is like a nice, pleasant summer's day. Um, but it's very spread out, and the way the kind of a lot of the roads and everything are laid out is, uh, you know, kind of reminds me of Florida because there's so much room, and there's all the, you know, the rough grass and the shrubs and stuff at the side of the road, kind of just growing wild. I've... But you know, having go ahead, yeah. But having said that, it, you know, it, it's not, it's nowhere near as manicured as South Florida is. I mean, it's pretty scruffy because it's <laughs> Africa, you know. I've I've heard, it's been explained to me that the only way to really pull africa out of the constant civil wars that seem to be happening there and the starvation and the genocide and all that the only way to really do it is to make continent-wide freeways top of the line infrastructure yeah. freeways that you can get anywhere in africa via the freeways that that's what yeah. they need more than anything well, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of fighting over resources here. But, I mean, Botswana's not like that at all. It's very stable. Um, it's uh, it's never had a war with anybody. Um, it's an up-and-coming country. You know, it's, it's by African standards, you know, it's very safe. Um, it's quite, you know, relatively affluent. Quite, it's, I mean, it's a large place. It's three times the size of Britain, and yet um, there's only sort of 1.8 million people here. Very so spread out, then. Yeah, it is, and and there's a large part in the middle of the country that's desert, so uh, nobody lives there, you know. But it, it's um, you know, it's fairly it's fairly affluent by African standards. But having said that, you know, it has a lot of African problems. You know, one in four of the people here are HIV positive, um, and uh, you know, when people are poor, I mean, they're like desperately, desperately poor. So yeah, um, you know, a lot of our listeners are are in the United States and Great Britain and and. Uh other parts of the world, but that's probably the, our two biggest demographics, Canada. Yeah. Um, when we think of poor in our respective home countries, our poor people have cell phones and microwaves and cable television. That's and right. And they think of themselves, and society thinks of them as poor. Well, there's different levels of poor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and, and that's right. And, and of course, what Africa really does lack is a lot of infrastructure. So, um, you know, Gaborone, which is the capital where I am now, uh, has quite a lot of buildings and, and, and highways and that sort of thing. But you don't have to go far before you're driving on a dirt track. That, that was kind of what I was talking about at the yeah, beginning, that if they had right, infrastructure, yeah. it would be a lot easier to get resources from one location to the other. That's exactly. the biggest problem. Uh, for instance, I heard a story this morning about somebody whose fiance died because she had a car accident about... 270 kilometers from from here which is kind of out in the middle of nowhere and she got help straight away and the doctor patched her up and everything but he didn't realize that she'd broken her neck in the accident and about three days later you know it, her spine got severed and she died instantly yeah and and you know that the 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 distances involved and the inability to get to what we would class as modern infrastructure is really what holds a lot of people back in in this sort of country and it's you know it's one of the things that kind of i'm here trying to change i'm working for the ministry of health at the moment and we're trying to improve their computer systems so that they can treat people more effectively which um, is great 
Yeah, and there's, you know, I was talking to a guy this morning from uh, from the American uh, Center for Disease Control. They have a, a Botswana branch, and they're here working as well. And, you know, um, President uh, George W. Bush put a lot, a lot of money into, um, into funding AIDS research here, uh, and he's made a real difference as well. So, you know, people are here trying to make it better for these people, so... Well, that's what we all want. We want what's best for our neighbors, whether they're our neighbors across a artificial border or on the other side of the planet. We just want what's best for yeah. people. And, and I'll tell you what's refreshing about being someone like this is that, obviously, you know, when I'm walking around here, I do stick out like a sore thumb. You know, my skin's the wrong color. Um, I don't have the look like the people here and everything. And yet everybody is so friendly and so polite uh, and so nice to you. And and that's quite refreshing because in you know in Western countries, obviously nobody looks at anybody else, and people can often be quite rude to each other. And you just don't see that here. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I, I've experienced that myself, and uh, yeah, it's it's odd that yeah. those who have so much less are so much nicer. Yeah, Imagine that. Indeed. I think I think yeah. there's a, a moral there, and that's the the materialistic things that we all take for granted don't make us happier. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways. Um, you were talking about before we started recording, David, the beloved Steam service. Of, yeah, you're not really too pleased with them right now. Well, I've had some problems with it, and and it, it's to do with the fact I'm here. Um, you know, Botswana is a landlocked country, so it doesn't have access to kind of sea fiber, which a lot of countries in Africa do. So its internet connections are pretty poor. Um, you know, I, I, this this connection I'm talking to you on now is in the hotel I'm in, and it's just about good enough to maintain a Skype call. But you'll probably hear it, you know, the odd warble or something through sure. through the call. So in terms of downloading stuff, it takes a long time. You know, it's like being on on um, you know the original 512k DSL. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm sat here in a hotel room. I've got nothing to do in the evening. I have Steam on my computer, and I have Portal 2 and a couple of other games I bought on there. The other night I was thinking, oh, okay, well, I'll, you know, I'll fire one of those up and play it. Well, it sees I've got an internet connection, so it takes 10 minutes just to launch the service because it's talking back to the servers. And then the first thing it tries to do when you try and play the game is you, it hangs for five minutes, and then it, it, it randomly will decide to download updates, which are all huge. 100, 200, 300 megabytes, some of these updates. And you look in the forums of what, what they're giving you, and it's like it's like a new achievement yeah or worthless um, you know stuff. Something, yeah it's something that I, I don't want i just want to play the game you know and i'm thinking really 250 megabytes for an achievement <laughs> that must be one hell of an achievement really and uh the, the difficulty is if you kind of say okay i don't want to do that so you log you, you log out of steam and come out of it and then set it into offline mode then you fire it up and it won't it won't launch the game it'll say oh no i can't do that because i can't connect to the servers it's ridiculous you know, well, it's like, okay, look, I understand piracy is a problem and Steam is an online service. Uh, and, you know, so they have this interchange thing going on. But I'm here. I've got a game that I've paid for and I can't play it because I'm on a slow internet connection. And I, now I start thinking, well, you know, what's what's remotely fair about that? How can they design a service that assumes you have 8 megabit broadband? Yeah, that's that's it's not forward thinking at all. Or maybe it's too forward thinking. And that not everybody has such a fast internet connection. Why are you going to punish those who don't? Or if exactly. you go to a hotel, hell, I couldn't download stuff from the hotel that I'm usually in because the internet's yeah. just too slow. There's too many people working on it. I think there's yeah. one cable modem somewhere in the basement of the hotel with a Wi-Fi network running and 50 people are on it. I mean, I'm not going to be able to download anything. Now, the thing is... Look, I understand one of the advantages of Steam is that you kind of you play the game and then it, the service remembers where you're up to in the game. So if you then play it on a different computer, um, it you know it puts you in the same place. It's like like having to save in the cloud. But those files are big. Yeah. So why why can't they write a service in such a way that it sees you on a, a slow internet connection of throttles everything back, stops throwing the ads at you, stops throwing the downloadable content at you, and just lets you play the game. And then, you know, I, I wouldn't mind it if every two weeks, if you were like that, it said, look, dude, you've really got to connect to the server now and verify that, um, you know, everything's kosher. That I would make with- more sense. That would definitely yeah. make more sense. Absolutely. Yeah. It's been two weeks but- since we've been able to connect. You need to either connect or you can't play. Fine. Yeah. 
Because heaven forbid you your your internet goes out at home. Well, I guess you just can't play the games that you paid for. Exactly. I, I don't think Steam's helping me pay for my cable bill, so why should it be dependent on that? It's not like I'm doing yeah. anything multiplayer when it comes to Portal Two. I just yeah, want to play exactly. the stupid game. That's that's exactly it. So now I'm stuck with a thing where I'm going to leave my um, computer running overnight, just downloading updates, so that I can maybe play the game over the weekend if I'm lucky. What if you want to? What if you you want to play uh, Portal Two on your MacBook Air and you're on a flight that doesn't have Wi-Fi? What about that? Can't do it. Well, it, it it does have an offline mode, but the thing is, is it it if it gets a sniff of an internet connection, it basically bars that from you. If you if it, if it thinks it's seen the servers and then you turn it offline, it assumes something is going wrong and it just won't let you play. No. And if it starts if it starts doing an update, then once the update started, that's it. You've got to complete it before you can play the game again. Yeah, I had a problem with Steam. Uh, I downloaded a couple games. Um, bu- 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 I can't remember what they are right now. One of them was some dragon game where you fly around in circles and getting treasure, and it was, right. it's okay. I mean, it was like five bucks or something, and it, maybe nine ninety nine tops. Uh, anything more than that, I wouldn't have bought it because unless I can play it first and know I'm gonna like it, yeah. eh. and I just don't play a lot of games on my Mac to be honest. And yeah. so I downloaded uh, this game. Played it a few times, and then after that, for whatever reason, it just would not work anymore. Every single time I tried to launch it, I would get some odd error message. I Googled that. I know how to use Google. I know how to find stuff on the Internet, probably better than most people. I couldn't find anything that resolved my issue, so I sent an an email over to Valve, and they never replied. Never did. Um, Eventually, I used the the Steam itself to uninstall the game, re-download the entire thing, and that worked, but yeah, there, there's a built-in help system that's virtually useless. Yeah, it, it didn't help me at all, and I kind of <sighs> felt like you know what? In some respects, the App Store is so much better from Apple. Yeah, because if yeah. there's a problem with what you're doing, you just delete it and download it again. It's real quick and easy. But with something like Steam, they've got a, a real CPU computer behind it you would think that it would be even better. And it's not. It's ten times no. worse. No, I mean, I've got to admit, I'm at the point now where I'm thinking, well, I won't bother playing their games. I'll I'll just stick with stuff on the iPad. And, you know, look at the difference. That my, my iPad's also on Wi-Fi Network. I can see their updates for my games. But yep. I can choose whether I want to install them. That's right. And it doesn't you know, bar that, you from playing it if you don't install it. No, exactly. You know, and that's the, well, that, there's DRM there. You know, everything's kind of... Is being checked to make sure it's all it's all okay, and yet it's not barring me from actually using the content I paid for. And you don't have to have any kind of internet connection to play. I, you could put your phone yeah. or your iPad in airplane mode, which turns off all the radios completely. Yeah, and you could still play any game on there that doesn't require a net connectivity. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make so, a lot of sense. Well, it, it you know it's just a poor user experience, and and yeah, I'm starting to think now. I'm not going to bother anymore with it. With uh, there are other online, you know, online services for PCs. And Macs. I, I don't know if you, yeah, have you ever used a uh, good old games? No, I haven't used it. Oh, uh, now that's a great website. Is it? Now that that I would recommend. Yeah, basically it's, it's gog.com, and what they do is they take um, old games and they repackage them so they work on the latest Windows systems. Not Mac, unfortunately. Um, but you know, I'm always interested in this because I've got a PC for work. So they have loads and loads of fantastic old games on there, um, and you basically you just buy them down. You download them as a package, and then once they're on your machine, then you can. The, there's no DRM or anything like that. You can just run them and play them. Um, and uh, they've got some fantastic old games on there, and they're adding more all the time. And uh, I've got a few from there that are really good. I bought. Um, have you ever heard of Game Tree Mac? Uh, no. See, now I've got one for you. Um, I like it. Uh, I've only used it a couple times. I bought the original Grand Theft Auto series, Grand Theft Vice City, San Andreas, and Grand Theft Auto 3 for the Mac. All right. All right. And they had the sale going on, all three games for $40. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know why I bought it, to be honest. I've got them on the PS2. I mean, I I didn't need to buy them, but I did. And the games work fine, except... There's no joystick slash game controllers specifically for the Mac that I've found so far 
that's worth anything. There's just none, David. And that's my biggest gripe with gaming on the Mac. Now, on the PC side, it's a totally different matter. I bought, a couple of years ago, the Xbox 360 corded USB controller for the PC. And on the PC side, it works brilliantly. Um, In fact, the only way I can play Portal 2... I I can't do it on the keyboard. I'm just... (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm just a retard or something. I can't do it. I've tried. I can't do yeah. it. I give up. You've so, been you've been indoctrinated by the Xbox. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. I have because I used to be able to use the keyboard to play games, and I I just yeah. can't do it anymore. Uh, I don't feel like I've got th- that level of control that I'm used to. And actually, you have more with a keyboard and mouse. Um, yeah. But it, and plus, the, where I'm playing usually a game like that on the computer is usually in the hotel when I've got nothing else to do. Yeah. And there's no place in the hotel except for a very uncomfortable desk to do that. And yeah. then the, the keyboard is on the laptop itself. So it just doesn't work really good for me. Uh-huh. So I bought this Xbox 360 controller. And all the way through 10.4, um, Tiger, Mac OS 10.4, it worked fine. I found a third-party solution that you can install, and it would just work with games. But for yeah. whatever reason, it didn't work with the Grand Theft Auto games from from this download service, GameTree Mac. Uh Uh, Same controller under Windows 8, 7, what is it, 7? 7. Yeah. On my laptop, um, that's the only way I can use, or I can play any games with that controller. And it it works brilliantly. I use it, that's the only way I play Portal 2. I I actually boot up my Mac in Windows 7 uh, Uh using Boot Camp, so it's not emulation or anything like that. Because I think I would run into other problems then with the joystick, yeah. with the gamepad. Boot yeah. up that way, uh, launch Steam, works fine. It looks exactly the same. I sign into my own account, download that game again, but for the PC, because you can download it for the Mac or the PC, they don't care. Yeah. I download it again on the PC side, and it works just, it saw the, the gamepad, and it was set up perfectly. I just started playing, didn't think twice about it. But I can't do that with Steam on the Mac using the same game and the same so is, controller. Do you think it's... Is it something to do with this third-party driver for the for the stick, it, or is it, it, it has something to, be. to do with Steam? It, yeah. uh, well, it's got to be something to do with with the gamepad controller, and I understand it's a Microsoft product. Why would they make it work with the Mac? Okay, fine. So give me another game controller for the Mac that just works out of the box. Yeah. Can't do it. There, no, There not. isn't anything, and that's ridiculous. As many Macs are being sold right now, and as popular as games seem to be, no one is making a good game controller? Seriously? It kind of makes you wonder what everyone's playing the games on the Mac with. Yeah. It's, you know, is everyone using just the keyboard and mouse? I guess so, because they just... Yeah, but s- s- some of the games, you need a joystick for. I mean, you can't... Well, you the know, GTA is a play... perfect example. You need yeah. a joystick. You just do. Um, and I think Portal works much better using a game controller than a keyboard and, and a... It's You could do multiple things at the same time i could be running looking back and shooting my portal things all at the same time you can't do that with a keyboard and a mouse you can't no you have to stop you have to aim you have to shoot then you move it's just smooth and it's the way it was meant to be played you've called it now you know you're going to have some ardent game nuts going on first person shooter we killed mouse the only way to go man you know i tried to play uh rts games real time time strategy on a console and it doesn't work you have to have a keyboard and a mouse that's the one type you do have to have a keyboard and mouse but now time (laughs) but now not so much um playing rts games on the ipad is just brilliant it yeah. just, oh my god, it's so much better than a mouse and a keyboard. RTS games were made for a touchscreen. They really were. It's just a shame that none of the big RTS names have been Nothing. ported to the iPad. Not a thing. You know, well, there's, there's, the, there's the Gameloft clone. Yeah, and that's the one I usually play, which yeah. is, I, I can beat that against the computer easily. And I usually won about 75% of my online matches, honestly. I'm pretty yeah. good at it. But but they did uh, they did red alert yeah for, but it's a crappy iPad. game it's not great yeah no it's it's and the interface just doesn't work very well because they ported it is the problem they didn't make it yeah. for the iPad whereas GameLoft made that um, what is it Star it's not Starcraft but whatever it is um, they made that 
for a touch interface and the yeah. difference is night and day yeah it, it just works david let's take a quick break uh drop in an ad or something here and uh, we'll be right back celebrate apple's ios iphone ipod touch ipad and apple tv with us on the pocket size podcast from mymac.com with your hosts scott and peter great reviews from johnny morofsky of mymac.com segments and contributions from many of the other fine writers of MyMac.com. It's hard to believe so much excitement can fit in your pocket, but it can. Please find us at MyMac.com or in iTunes. Just search for the Pocket Size Podcast. You'll be proud to tell your friends that you have us in your pocket. So, David, we're back, and uh, let's talk about the space program a little bit, because as we're recording this on uh, Friday, July 8th, 2011... Uh, a historic event took place today, and that's the last American space shuttle launched. Yeah. It's been uh, 35 years, or no, I'm sorry, 30 years. I remember the first one that, it, when it went up, I was 10 years old, 1980. Yeah, or 1981, 1981. And uh, it's had 135 launches. Obviously, we've lost two shuttles to tragic accidents, uh, and I, I remember both of them very, very clearly. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, I always kind of looked at NASA and, and the space shuttle program because we're too young for Apollo and, and those things. Yeah, um, I, was, uh, I was, what, maybe two months old when they uh, landed on the moon? Yeah. Oh, sorry, no, I wasn't born. No, you weren't born yet. 1969, yeah. No, but I remember my parents saying I was two yeah. months old when they saw the second landing. It, yeah. it was... Uh, the space shuttle program was kind of a magical thing, especially in the 80s. It was new. It was different. It was modern, whereas, you know, we saw the stuff from Apollo, and it was black and white, and it was neat, yeah. but it wasn't like the, the space shuttle was different. It looked like it could fly to the moon, land, and take off by itself. Obviously, yeah. it couldn't do that, but we just, there was something magical about it. And I'm sure that there's going to be a replacement eventually. Um, what that is, I don't know. Um, but I always kind of looked at NASA and this whole space shuttle thing as bigger than just an American experience. It, it, yeah, it was the American government who financed it and built it, but it was bigger than that. It transcended borders. It, it yeah. was, uh, it was something for the world. This was humankind reaching out to the stars, not Americans. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, and I always. Well, I mean, it, it always got quite a lot of coverage, you know. Unlike the Apollo missions, where you know, after a couple of missions, you know, it wasn't even on the TV anymore. Whenever mm-hmm. a shuttle went up, it it was always on the news, and when it landed, it was always on the news. And you used to see an awful lot of footage from NASA from from when they were actually up in orbit. So it, it kind of it kind of made space travel, you know, a bit cool again. It did absolutely, and it always seemed like we were aspiring as a people as humanity was aspiring to to be more to to explore what's out there eventually to probably colonize another planet and that always kind of what's the word inspired me i guess yeah um i never really wanted to be an astronaut i know a lot of kids did um, but I always wanted to go to space, if that makes sense. I didn't want to be the guy in yeah. charge of the space shuttle. It seemed way too complicated to me. And yeah. I knew from a young age that you needed to be very good at math. <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I wanted to go into space. I wanted to see what grav- having no gravity at all would feel like. I always wanted mm-hmm. to look back and see the entire Earth with my own eyes. Not yeah. just a picture, not just a video. My own eyes, knowing I'm no longer on that planet. I'm out there. Uh, yeah. I always want to experience that. So, to me, it's very sad that they're that they're abandoning the shuttle. And from what I can see, there's no concrete plans in place to replace it. No, I mean the you know the shuttle was designed in the early seventies, uh, yeah. and it didn't get in space till 1981. So. You've got a long life cycle to actually get something like that um, off the pad and into space. And, uh, of course, you know, we haven't even started coming up with a replacement yet, so it's going to be a long while. And in the meantime, you know, we have commitments to the International Space Station, and we don't, you know, nobody in the West has a launch vehicle. 
Well, they uh, do. The, 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 uh, can, well, yeah, unmanned. not that can. Yeah, not that can take um, take crew up. No. And, and um, you know, I know so the Russians the, have shuttles, so they can get there. But I don't know. Yeah, you it's, know what? That Russian stuff it hasn't changed in forty years. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, I mean, it really is fairly unsophisticated whereas the shuffle was not it was the it was uh you know obviously it was still 70s tech i mean you know anything we design nowadays would, would be uh a lot better would be, would be quite different yeah but um it was still like light years ahead of what the uh what the russians were doing so what do you think in your opinion now obviously we could have an entire tech fan on, on space might be cool to uh to invite an, an actual astronaut on the show and have them and i know people are thinking yeah right but no we could probably get an astronaut to come on tech fan um yeah. or someone from nasa and in fact i know that we do have a listener that works at nasa so but regardless we've got a lot of technology in our everyday lives that is a direct result of the space program yeah and i kind of wonder um, now that this this aspect of space, really the the, I'd say probably the second great generation of space travel is over, and we're yeah. looking at the third. Where do you see the space program going next, or where would you hope it would go as well? Well, I, I mean, there's been talk about us going back to the moon, which yep. I think would be worthwhile doing because. I don't think with the capabilities that um, Apollo basically was the mission was to get there. I yep. mean, they, they had a back. scientific, yeah, and get back. The, they had a, you know, some science to do, but it wasn't really extensive science. They always landed in broadly the same area, and yep. the moon's a big place. I, you know, I would like to, I'd love to see us go back to the moon and actually land on the moon again and and explore that because great as the shuttle was it was low earth orbit i mean it wasn't really going very far it was kind of like backing off the driveway and sitting on the sidewalk yep um whereas the moon is is another body and and ultimately you know further out than that though the further you go the more difficult it gets um but i'd like to see us do that the, the difficulty is i mean I, well, I understand that it's incredibly expensive and nasa has found it can do an awful lot with unmanned craft absolutely um, so and it's a lot you know, cheaper yeah, well, so there's been an awful lot of investment in in robot craft and satellites and you know robot space vehicles that are abandoned when they run out of uh, a battery and that sort of thing. But ultimately, if you're just going to send a robot, you know you find you find stuff out, you extend science, but ultimately you want to put boots on the ground, really. Yeah, we're explorers. Uh, the, our peoples are explorers, probably. It's the one thing that I think that every culture on this planet has, and that's explorers. If we weren't, we wouldn't fill this entire planet. Yeah. You know, it's it's one of those things that if you can't experience it, then eh, who cares? You know what I mean? And I, and, yeah, and I and I think there is an aspirational human kind aspect to doing something that's never been done before, and I, I think that helps unite worlds. Uh, and countries and um you know we, we've got the international space station maybe what what we should do now is we should look to get an international mars mission going um you know with a joint development of the craft and an and a international crew you the know pair up the chinese or something like that and the problem uh, is politics always seem to get in the way and i understand you know i think it is more important that we feed and, and take care of the people here on the planet we provide health care for people so they don't have to make a decision whether I'm going to take my medication this week or I'm going to eat this week. And if you think I'm joking, I'm not. That's that's a real problem for a yeah. lot of people. And I absolutely agree with those who say we need to take care of that before we worry about going to Mars. Um, and yet. You know? And yet. Yeah. And yet. Yeah. We, It's just in our DNA. We just have to do it. If it's there, we're going to climb it. We, we just will. And while the aspirations of taking care of everybody here on Earth is great, it's not really practical because then you get into yeah. a lot more politics. Yeah. So I think you're right. I think that international efforts would probably work better at uniting this world. But I also have to throw in, what about corporate space flight? Yeah, yeah I, you know, I mean... 
There's cool a lot of money to be to made up now. there. Yeah, they are starting to push now. You know what I remember as a uh, just you saying that just made me remember it. There was a uh, a very short-lived TV series that must have been on late seventies, early eighties called Salvage One. I don't remember it. A, about um, uh, a guy who owns a junkyard and he basically hires a NASA engineer and he uses the junkyard to build a rocket to go to the moon. <laughs> um, yeah, it was kind of hokey. It had, I think it was uh, Andy Griffiths played the uh, played the um, the owner of the junkyard. It was probably one of the last <laughs> things he did. Um, and yeah, it was kind of a crazy concept. But it, I, I mean, obviously, I'm looking looking back at this through memory and rose tinted glasses. Sure. And I was, it only lasted about six episodes, but it was kind of fun, you know. Um, yeah, but but. I think you're right. I think private individuals will increasingly. Uh, I think increasingly if there's a profit to, to go up there. Yeah, if there's a profit to be made for going into space, businesses are going to be all. I mean, look at Richard Branson. I mean, yeah. that's kind of he wants to put a hotel in space. Uh, of course, it's going to cost two hundred thousand dollars for you to go to that hotel and, and stay a day or two. Um, but he wouldn't do it if it wasn't profitable. Yeah, I, I think the problem is, though, and, and this was one of the things that, that maybe the shuttle kind of did for us, is it made us start to think that going to space was routine. Yeah. And those it's accidents reminded, but... reminded everybody that it's a dangerous, dangerous business. And Yeah, um, there's no help you know, out I'm, there. That's yeah, what... well, that, that's the problem. Yeah, you are stuck. You know, there's no rescue. You think Africa's bad. try being a million miles away in space where there's literally nothing and there's absolutely 0.0 percent chance of someone coming to help you yeah exactly you know Uh, there's a reason that they have to pass astronauts very stringent physicals you know means i'll never get to go no no i'm screwed i'm never going yeah (laughs) unless it's privatized and i can pay it becomes less expensive and i could pay to go take a trip to you know the moon at 80 (laughs) i would totally do it um absolutely you know it's it's an experience that somebody asked me the other day uh remember on the last episode i was talking about the blue angels and uh, I, i don't know if you saw the video that i posted um up on facebook about the blue angels uh, no, I haven't seen it. Yeah, it, it was it, it was later in the day. For me at the moment. Yeah, um, it was later in the day, and we were we the family w- had stopped out by the airport while the Blue Angels were doing their show, and where we were stopped was literally two miles from the airport, but we were on a straight line to uh, the actual runway. Right. If they extended the runway out, it would come right where we were. And there was nobody out there, right? And at the beginning of this video, I'm like, I feel like we're going to get buzzed. And yeah. sure enough, a minute and a half later, a blue angel at treetop levels blasts by us like you wouldn't believe. In fact, when it gets right above us, the audio stops recording on the iPhone. The iPhone's like, yeah. you know what? No, stop yeah. it. <laughs> it's like, no, yeah. I'm not doing that. Um, yeah, you don't you don't realize how loud those oh things my god. are. Oh my god, I do because they're it's either the, the Blue Angels or the Thunderbirds every year that are here doing this. Yeah, but I had no, my brother in law. He asked me, "Would you go up in one if they offered to? You know, you can go up and fly." And I said, "Absolutely." Now, yeah, of you know, how could you not do? No. Does it look like fun? No, it looks terrifying to me. You know, but I I would absolutely do it. Why? Because. You, when could you ever do that again? Exactly. When I when I was um, at school, we had a um, kind of a, a, a. It was a bit like military cadet. Well, it was military cadets, and I was in the Royal Air Force section of the military cadets. So we used to go up to RAF bases and um, kind of do tours. And so we went up to um, a, a tornado base, and uh, I remember we were driving in our minibus round the outside of the base because they, they were going to take us around to where the hardened um, bomb-proof hangars on the far side of the field were. And we had to stop because one of the tornadoes was taking off. 
So we stopped probably, a, you know, 300, 400 yards from the end of the runway. And this thing kind of taxied up and turned around. And they, the guy who was taking us around said, right, well, now what he's going to do, he was a pilot. He said, now what he's going to do is going to put the brakes on. He has to check that the uh, engines will go up to full thrust for takeoff. And yeah. so he did this, right, and literally... 30 40 foot jets of flame coming from twin engines out the back of this plane yeah <laughs> and the the roof of our minibus i will i looked up at it and no word of a lie this like metal skin of the minibus was vibrating up and down at least three inches in each direction from the noise <laughs> it was absolutely incredible and yep. of course then he lets the then he lets the uh brakes go and it was like warp speed you know the thing just was gone yeah <laughs> it's amazing yeah it is and you know obviously there's a close relation between an organization like nasa and military where do you get the pilots yeah. well you get fighter pilots they're used to these kind of g's um they're some of them are the best athletes in the world i mean that you have to be to be able to do that um so if you see they they where the military is progressing there is aspects of that that relate directly to NASA. Unfortunately, one is all about killing people. No matter what you feel about the military, that's kind of their job. That's, they they yes. kill and destroy. That's what the military is for. Y yes, okay, it's it's defense. Well, yes, your defense is you go kill those people the so they don't kill you. <laughs> you. You make the most lethal weapons in the world. You train people how to do it. And quite often, you get to practice that um in space and nasa is just the opposite it's all about uniting humanity exploring sharing discoveries so you know it's kind of sad that those two are so closely related but yet they are yeah so let's take our uh, last break, David, and we'll be right back. Looking for in-depth coverage of the Mac universe? How about hard-hitting interviews with industry leaders with all the questions you want to ask? Or detailed product reviews for programs costing thousands of dollars? Then you should definitely find something other than the MyMac.com podcast. The MyMac.com podcast is the show for every Mac user. Fun, entertaining, with news, reviews, and interviews with people just like you who want more from a podcast than just talking heads. Find us on iTunes by doing a search for My Mac and get ready for a good time. I used to like talking heads. And we're back on Tech Fan, Tim Robertson, David Cohen. Hey, David, I've been kind of following um, this big story out of the UK. i got to be honest, I haven't really delved into it. Um, but it's yeah. about people hacking phones in a, a newspaper spying on people soldiers yeah. i i this is i, this I is didn't quite can you fill me on what's going on because i'm yeah. kind of interested and from the little parts that i got i was kind of appalled this this is um this is a real scandal i mean you know everyone i know <laughs> you get things like anthony weiner and stuff like that and people go oh it's a scandal that some guy tweeted his private parts online this is this is scandal with a capital s um, this deserves the, the term gate, I think, yes. because it's such a bit, you know, really, really has shaken British society to the core. So so the background to this is that, um, um, and of course what adds a little bit to this is the politics of what's happened as well. Of course, well. yes. Yeah. There is a newspaper in the UK that will now be completing its final issue on Sunday and then closing down as a result of this. Right, what's the name the of news, The News of the World. Uh, and it is owned by Rupert Murdoch, who owns Fox, who owns News International, who owns the um, Washington, uh, the uh, sorry, the Wall Street Journal, mm -hmm. uh, and the London Times. You know, is a big, big uh, media magnet. He owns uh, Sky Broadcasting, who do he does satellite TV in the UK. Um, so he owns the News of the World, and the News of the World is famous for it's it's a tabloid newspaper, so it's kind of. A lot of the stuff it does, it only comes out once a week on a Sunday. A lot of the stuff it does is kind of a, a little bit low rent, a lot of celebrity stories and this sort of thing. But, you know, occasionally they've they've gotten some big scoops. And everyone's always wondered, you know, how they get some of their stories. And it, it, it came to light about three, four years ago that they were paying private investigators to hack into people's voicemail on their cell phones uh, and uncover information. Classy. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, pretty seedy and, and completely illegal, obviously. Obviously. Um, yeah. 
I mean, I know you have kind of wiretap laws in, in the States where a judge can allow people to do stuff like that. We don't have anything like that here. So whereas I'm sure our secret services do it. Of um, course. Certainly certainly nobody else uh nobody else is sponsored especially a news organization that's supposed to have standards and ethics so what what happened is a few years ago is that this came out and they basically they pinned it on uh a couple of rogue journalists and a private investigation they were prosecuted and sent to prison for it but since then there's been these rumblings that it was it was much bigger than um than was being led on and in fact it was much more routine than it's being led on and the last couple of weeks it's kind of come to a head and it's it's blown open absolutely blown open and one of the reasons it's blown open is that the uh, metropolitan police who are london's police service investigated this originally for the prosecution of these these guys and said that there was no other cases to answer and yet it now appears from the evidence they gathered for that investigation that in fact many many hundreds of people had had their phones hacked not just celebrities um but also some of our most senior politicians um and um people in the government the royal family really um, and yeah the royal family and if that wasn't bad enough because i think you know people kind of were were very upset about that and there was no proof in this sort of thing but they were kind of you know up uh, unquieted by that but really what blew it open this week is that um it's been found out that uh, the the uh, cell phone of a girl who was murdered in the in 2002 and whose body was missing for six months before she was found out. And her her murderer, who was a serial killer, was just finally prosecuted for her murder recently. Turns out they um, hacked into her phone after huh. she was dead. After she was dead. After she was dead, because she they, she disappeared and she was missing for six months before her body was discovered. Um, and during that time, they hacked into her phone. The news organization. And news the news of the world. Organization. Yeah. Uh, and they've also apparently been hacking into the phones of families of dead servicemen who've been killed in Afghanistan recently. What justification could they possibly have there? Well, I think I think really it, what it appears to be is they got into... You know what these things like? It's like, you know, <laughs> it's like having the first drink, isn't it? Becoming an alcoholic. Yeah. The first few times you do it, you say... I shouldn't really do this, and I won't do it again. And then, before you know it, it becomes routine. Especially when and there's no repercussions. Yeah, exactly. And and basically, it's obviously become standard operating procedure for this news organization to do this in order to, to um, gather the information they need for their stories. And, of course, there's this whole pressure of getting the scoop, getting the front page, getting the most copies sold. Sure particularly in an industry that's been newspapers have been under pressure the last few years well it's our but fault though course, there that's our fault we're we're well, yeah, very because, sensationalist because, people we want yeah. the in we'll all oh, we'll cluck and poo hoo hoo that and this that and oh that's terrible and uh blah. but we're the ones grabbing those headlines we're the ones reading yeah. those stories i don't i don't blame I've, the news organizations for that it's us we've got an in yeah. we've got an appetite for this kind of gossipy crap yeah you know well it, i mean from a personal perspective, I, I, I mean, as I said, one of the fallouts of this, because obviously um, News International, Murdoch's organisation, are very much in, um, you know, trying to trying to control the situation now. So they have they've announced that this paper's going for 186 years, actually. So I mean, it's not like it's a fly by night organisation, right. but they have they have said this Sunday will be the last last edition, and they are closing the plate. So, the, the so are they down. trying to pretend that it was only this paper? That's part of this big news organization. Uh, well, that, I think I think that's a wider that's a wider question that nobody's asked yet. Is is whether this is actually um, wider than just the news of the world? And is whether this, yeah, up, up is this standard operating it, procedure? Yeah, I, I don't know. But the the, the thing that's interested me, the, in all the coverage, and this is you imagine this has been getting a huge amount of coverage for sure. many weeks, uh, particularly the last week. I mean, even here in Botswana, I know all about it, and I've heard Botswana's talking about it as well. So, you know, this this really is a, a, a worldwide story. What what nobody's commented on is the fact that it's so easy to hack the phones. Yeah, that's the part that you got to wonder if it's this easy to hack into someone's cell. Is is it home phones? Is it cell phones? Or it's is it both? Cell, it's it's cell phones and it's voicemail accounts on the cell phones. Yeah. So now, if it's if it's this seen, easy. I mean, is there's a bigger problem here? We haven't seen the the details of the evidence. Know exactly how it's how it's been done. Oh, and um, you probably won't I, get that. They're probably going to keep yeah. that quiet because they don't want other people to exploit these security issues. 
Yeah, but, but what I'm what I'm hearing and kind of the subtext of what I'm hearing is it's not just simply hacking into voicemail, but it's also intercepting calls, which obviously I think a lot of people with uh, with modern cell phones assume just wasn't possible. And in fact, it turns out it is. Yeah, if you can clone a phone, you've pretty much got access to everything. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's that's kind of a good point. I mean, is any of the, the fallout of this going to fall on companies like Apple, like Nokia, like REM, like there's a lot of cell phone companies out there. Uh, I'm sure they'll say, well, they're following the GSM standard and it's the GSM standard that's at fault. But, you know, we've all got the GSM standard, so I don't know what you do about it, really. But I, I think look, there's a lot of publicity about privacy on the Internet now. And, and, you know, those of us who know anything about it kind of assume you don't have any. Yeah. Uh, That's why I, I don't like in, like, my Facebook page. If, if anybody yeah. listening to this goes to Facebook.com slash MyMac... That's my personal account. You could see every single picture and every post that I've ever put on Facebook because I didn't even bother to turn on the privacy. It's like if someone really yeah. wants to get that, they're going to get that. So, yeah. you know. But I think everyone I think everyone's assumed that if you have a conversation on the telephone, that is private. Well, this uh, one is, isn't uh, it? No one's going to hear this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, even with this, I mean, Skype is encrypted. Yes, it is. Actually, like, it is. Skype that, is actually banned in some countries or really frowned upon because it's encrypted and they can't hack into it and listen to the conversations over Skype. But, but you know, at the end of the day, it uses service to mediate the connection. You're telling me that, that it's technically impossible for somebody to get in the way of that and, and kind of monitor the traffic as it goes by? Yeah. You well, know. I mean, if you know where someone physically is, you can get a high-powered rifle microphone and hear everything that's going on in a residence or in a building. Yeah. I mean... You know, you don't have to... Here's the thing. Most hacking happens because of the lowest common denominator, i.e., how do they get your credit card information? They pulled your your account information out of your trash can. You know, it's when you handed it to the waitress and, and she went back to scan it to pay for your meal, she duplicated it because some guy gave her a little device and said, for every credit card you swipe through here, I'll give you 100 bucks or I'll give you 50 bucks. And so she did it for a month, and she made $20,000. It was the easiest money yeah. she ever made. She yeah. didn't do anything with the information, but somebody that gave her a little copying thing does. You know, yeah. it's, always, it's always the person, the people, that's at fault. It's usually not the technology. When someone says, oh, I, you know, I don't trust shopping online because they're going to get my credit card information. It, it's, you know... We had the big Sony PSN thing where they they reportedly got some credit card numbers and all that. That's not really how most credit cards are stolen. You no. know, it, it's there's always a human factor that's easily exploitable. You know, yeah. they go through your trash. They point a microphone at your house. They, you know, they call your work his, and pretend to be somebody else. I think this is the thing with this with this scandal, though, is that. I, th- I think most people probably wouldn't have much of a problem with journalists chasing up an investigative story, doing that sort of thing. I think they would say, well, that's, you know, they know that something bad is going down. They want to expose it. They're justified in using those sorts of techniques. You don't think most if, people would have a problem with that? I, I don't I don't think so. If, if you know, I mean, let's, let's face it, um, go back to the original gate, the Watergate scandal. If, mm-hmm. they'd, if they'd not done the, the, the gum tree work exposing that and you know meeting mysterious sources in the middle of the night and uh you know taking leaked documents and doing all that sort of thing it never would have got found out it would have remained covered up yeah so i don't have a problem with an investigative journalist on a story maybe pushing the boundaries of what's legal in in pursuit of the story the difficulty i have with with this hacking thing is this wasn't investigative journalism chase, ch- chasing something down, trying to confirm something that a source had given them that they needed more evidence for. This was basically trawling. Yes, this is this is them trying to find a story rather yeah. than in pursuit of a story. Exactly. And there's a big difference there, absolutely. Very much. I, Very much. It, it's a scary thing. You, you, you have to wonder... You know how how secure your information really is. How how private? I mean, look, anybody listening to this show um, is into technology, and if you're into it enough, there's probably your entire life readily accessible to any serious hacker. They they can get anything from you they want. 
And yeah. we just have to assume that we probably don't have much that people are very interested in other than our money, you know? Yeah, but, you know, pity the people who, through no fault of their own, comes to the attention of these, you know, uh, the, the, these lo- very low people in the media and decide that they, they just want to take their lives apart in this pursuit of a story. Yes, but I think you're probably more apt to, to run across a mugger at the ATM machine than some rogue journalist digging up stuff on your life. That's true, but you, you know what? The only thing I'm that's, that I'm glad about for all of this is that is that everyone is a shot, and action will be taken, and it is being rooted out and put a stop to. Um, you know, because uh, you know, I don't, I don't, wouldn't want this sort of thing to become routine, because you know what? If the, if if uh, scumbag journalists are doing it on a routine basis just for kicks or just for looking for a story, then you can guarantee that other people who you definitely don't want looking into your uh, your telephone conversations and inferring things from them are capable of doing that too. And and that's when that's when it does become scary because all of a sudden you you become you potentially you're in a Big Brother state where anybody can go and start um, digging stuff up on you using this technology, and that that's not what you want. I think more likely. Uh a fear, especially with someone, we both got daughters. Mine are um, a lot older than yours. My my oldest daughter just turned 17. And one ex-boyfriend who's kind of over the deep end. Yeah. You know, uses these to kind of harass her. Finds out about her new boyfriend or, you know... That's the yeah. kind of thing, the this exactly. stalking thing. That's what scares me. I have a friend who's just split up from her husband because he cheated on her, mm. um, and they're getting divorced. And I saw a tweet from her just literally yesterday saying, addressed to her husband, saying, please stop stalking me on Twitter. It's not mature. But basically that's what he was doing. He was following her on Twitter. He created a new account to follow her from so that he could see what she was up to. Hmm. You know what she was talking about. Now that is creepy. I'm sorry. Oh no, I I'm with you. That's yeah. I, uh, I wouldn't know this, what to think about that. I mean, well, where do you? Uh, I, I, yeah, I know what I thought about well, it. Well, yes, but I, I, the, the point is, you know, where is the? Do you make it illegal? I mean, if she's putting or he's putting tweets out there and they don't have their tweets protected. You know what I mean? At which point is it illegal? Yeah, I'm not saying it's illegal. I just don't think it's very cool. No, but I mean, well, welcome to the world. I mean, you know, yeah. if that's no, the worst no, the person's doing, then they're pretty benign. Well, the, the problem is, is, is that the, the, the difficulty is if somebody's prepared to do something as simple as that, is that just the first step of doing something else? That's the difficulty. Yeah, but... No, you, just like with the phone hacking, if they're prepared to hack your phone... And they get used to hacking your phone. Then what happens next? I, I agree. Your trash. I, I <laughs> you know? agree. Well, but that was easier. House when you're not there. Yes. Well, they have. I mean, none of that's unheard of. Um, yeah. But there is a point where we have to say, well, one thing doesn't necessarily lead to the other, because you I'm get extremists. Yeah. Will let's take gay marriage in the United States. Gay marriage is a lot of talk. It's finally becoming legal in a lot of states. I'm personally 100 percent pro gay gay marriage. Why shouldn't they have the same rights as everybody else? I'm not saying one group of people should have more rights than anybody else, but everyone should have the same rights. And and to me, it's a very simple thing. They should have the same rights as anybody else. Now, you'll get the religious zealots out there who will say, well, yeah, but if two men or two women can get married, then what's to say a man and a dog can get married then? Well, now you're taking it retarded. I mean, now you've gone over the deep end. (laughs) But that's what I mean, though. There's a fine line between following... Um, something too far out. It's okay. This is true, but that doesn't necessarily relate to that. Just because someone's following someone on Twitter and harassing them there doesn't necessarily mean that you know they're parked in front of their house at three in the morning. Yeah, you know, I I I know what you mean, but I the 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 problem is how do you tell? Because the guy who's parked outside your house at three in the morning probably also started by following you on twitter i agree but what do you do about it though i mean it, no, well, well, i don't think there's anything you do about yeah. it. You, like you say you can't make it illegal to follow I, I think it's i think it's really good that people educate themselves 
Yeah. Um, don't don't assume that someone's going to get in trouble for some. Educate yourself beforehand um, or during yeah. the process so you can put a stop to it yourself without yeah. relying on the police. Because let's be honest, they're not going to be able to protect you. It is what it no. is, you know. Yeah, and and I'm I'm you know I'm I'm somewhat uncomfortable about services like Foursquare and things like that that kind of pinpoint your location all the time. Pin, well, yeah, and not only that, do it do it without you necessarily being aware that that's what they're doing yeah you know you log into foursquare and sometimes you don't know that it's posted on twitter where you are yeah um and yeah if you have a, a, a an ex-partner who you think might be uh following you around that's probably not something you want to do yeah yeah it's, it really does come down to education <laughs> educate yourself yeah. if you're doing something that you don't want other people to know about probably don't want to be using foursquare you probably don't want to be talking about it on twitter or facebook yeah, I, I can but, already I mean, tell no. you i've seen on facebook um someone letting someone else know that she wanted to get a divorce and it happened on facebook with a friend of mine she let her <laughs> husband know she yeah. changed her status to separated yeah and let him not. know via yeah. facebook that she doesn't want to be married anymore this uh this this couple who um who i'm talking about the they actually kind of did the same thing. It all sad, it all, isn't it? Uh, it all happened on Facebook. I, I think. <laughs> I think that's even worse than the whole. Remember, it, people were talking about, oh, you're going to break up with someone via IM or uh, a text yeah, message. Text that's message. terrible. I think it's worse on Twitter or it's worse yeah. on Facebook. I mean, because you know, if you've been married for say ten years and you both have a lot of similar friends and you're all friends on Facebook and you kind of air that out there on Facebook. Oh, talk about oh yeah. that would just be that's terrible. Yeah, no, it it um, it doesn't really bear thinking about. Now I always have this image when you hear something like that of two people like sat in the same room having this massive row on Twitter, <laughs> not not shouting at each other or throwing things or anything, just basically furiously typing into their phones. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny because I. My 17-year-old is not here uh, as much as she used to be. Now, I've in my divorce decree with my uh, ex-wife, um, I, you know, the judge thought I wanted my daughter every other weekend. And I said, no, I want her yeah. every weekend. And he says, you mean every other? And I said, no, every weekend. He said, I've never heard a father ask for that in, in the divorce decree that you would get her every weekend. I said, I want her every, you know. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. When she starts school, then, you know, Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday. That's I just want her that much. And the judge yeah. was like, I think it's fantastic. This is great. Um, but she's 17 now. And the last yeah. thing that a 17-year-old girl really wants to do is go over her dad's house where, yeah. you know, the, the <laughs> there's a 3-year-old and an 8-year-old and... Yeah. You know, it's but Krampus style, a yeah, bit. a little bit. Um, but Brittany is here, who's only six months younger than Rachel, so 16 and 17. Yeah, and I've literally seen Facebook posts them talking to each other, and they're in the same bedroom on different laptops, they're <laughs> literally two feet apart, and they're having a conversation via Facebook. I'm like, what? I, I actually commented on that. I was like, you guys are in the same room, why don't you actually talk? It's yeah. ugh. But you know, it's just a generational thing, I guess. Yeah, and and it's like it's like the people who who you know will spend ten fifteen minutes uh, texting back to each other, having a conversation, like trying to arrange a dinner date or something. And you're thinking, well, if you just picked up the phone and talked to each other, you could do it in thirty seconds. I tell you, you got to you know, as a parent, you have to be very careful. And I and I said the story a couple times. I think I talked about it with Kevin Shea here on Tech Fan many months ago. And I know for a fact I talked about it either on the MyMac podcast or uh, OWC Radio, but it was another podcast that I talked about this as well, that when Brittany first got her cell phone, she posted on Facebook, uh, I'm bored, someone give me a call, and she put her cell phone number on Facebook. Cool. And I happened to see it within a minute. Yeah. I just happened to be on Facebook, I saw it pop up, and I ran up the stairs and told her she will delete that post right now or she will no longer have a cell phone or a computer. And then we'll find out yeah. how bored she really will be. Yeah. You know, because she didn't think of the consequences. She was young. Yeah. So as parents, we need to be very aware of that kind of thing. We need to be able to monitor what they're posting online. You know, yeah. I, I turned again, off the... Educate. Uh, 
yeah, educate. I turned yeah. off the ability for either one of the older girls to send picture text messages. Yeah. They, they, you, they can't do that. They could send regular text messages, but they cannot send or receive text message pictures. Obviously, that doesn't stop email, but, you yeah. know, because I've read about sexting, and I was like, ooh, not my kids. I'm going to yeah, turn that feature exactly. on. There, there's ways and, around and, it, but. Uh, yeah, and you do have to take responsibility. For instance, my uh, my eight-year-old, he, he just got a, a, a good report from school because he, he did a PowerPoint for um, in school for a project he's doing. Now he's only eight, so you know. Yeah. Um, but but the point is, they're teaching them to to use PowerPoint, which I, I agree with. That's a that's a, a useful skill to have for later life. So I, I endorse that, and I, I encourage that. Now he said to me this evening, he said, "Well, you know, he's got a computer in his room. That's uh, it's an it's a it's an eMac, and it's completely locked down. So he can only go to the websites I specify. Sure. Can only email the people I specify, and he can only use it for two hours a day, and then it turns itself off." So um, he said to me, he said, can I have Microsoft Office on my, on my <laughs> um, computer? You know, because he wants to do more PowerPoints. He enjoys it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he also wants to do posters in Microsoft Word because he's been learning how to do that as well. So I said, yeah, sure, you know, no problem. He said, can I have, um, can I have images? And I knew what he meant. He means Google Images because that's yeah. what the kids do. They search for images and, and put, them in, uh, put them into their PowerPoints. And I, th- I, I thought, ooh. Well, yes, yeah. to a degree, but, you know, I'm going to have to sit down and, and go through that with him because just giving him Google Images is... I know it has settings so you can limit what it shows you, but nevertheless... Nevertheless, the, absolutely. He's eight, yeah? So anything he sees on Google Images, I want to see before he sees it. Well, and those settings don't always no. work because I've got mine set so it doesn't show any naughty images and, and when because it automatically sets it that way, but I always make yeah. sure because my computer is sitting right here and I can't tell you where I'll look someone's name or something or something completely innocuous. And a couple of the pictures are like, oh, hey, oh, hello. You know, yeah. we, I don't want to teach the kids that, you know, nudity is evil or anything like that. I don't want to give them a complex. But by the same token, there's some things that I don't, you know, there's no yeah. way I want my daughter to see or my son. And, you know, and, and also for a, for, a, for a child, you know, particularly for, for somebody who's under 10. Um, yes. You know, Google Images will show pictures from the news showing, you know, people with weaponry Absolutely. and explosions and war and all that. And those those images won't be censored by Google Images. I, I, if, uh, if the I, real extreme ones will. But yeah, but but yeah, but the you know, the, he will see things that I if he if he sees them, I want to be there to explain them to him and put them in context rather than just letting let him see them saturated. You know, we 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 will let the children watch the uh, the evening news with us. And obviously, you see those sorts of images on there. But the important thing is, we are there to explain and put in context those images if we feel that they, you know, that something they need to understand. That's right. That's because, because it's you your know. job to educate your kids. Exactly. And, and I think a lot of people forget that they they want the tech companies to censor this, or they want uh, unrealistic expectations on on what you can do with the technology to limit access to certain information for minors but it's not really the tech company's responsibility it really is the parent there's no way i'm gonna let my eight-year-old sit in front of a computer in a room by herself for four hours that's not gonna happen she's gonna use a computer that's sitting here that you know i can see from three different rooms in my house yeah you know and it's educating her before she even starts using it that you know, there's things on here that you're not supposed to see that's for grown-ups um, that bad people put out there that if something like that pops up, you come get me immediately. Yeah. You know? So, Dave, we should probably wrap up the show. We're over an hour, and uh, I'm sure there's somebody else in the African continent that's waiting to use the Internet connection. <laughs> that- <laughs> um, and for those those you guys listening, uh, by the way, Scott... Willsey from uh, Pocket Size Podcast sent us feedback, and he said it, that our last episode was uh, his favorite podcast that he's heard in a long time. Oh, wow. So thank, thank you very much, thank Scott. You. Appreciate that. Thanks, Scott. Yeah. And uh, he, here's the thing. This entire episode, we went over an hour. It, <laughs> we had no topics. We had no topics. <laughs> I, I've had an extremely busy week, as has David. I mean, he's, he's in Africa. And yeah. literally... Every time we took a break, we would talk about 
okay, what are we going to talk about in the next segment? So keep that in mind as you listen to some tech fans in the future. Uh, we don't always know what the hell we're going to talk about. <laughs> some weeks it might be more obvious than others. Now, last week, <laughs> let's let's be honest, last week we had topics already yeah. ready to go. And we'll probably do that again next week if you or I on a show. Like, like next Friday is good for me. I don't know what it's like yeah, for no, you. Yeah, that, that's good. That's good for me. So I'll be back. I'll be back in the UK then. So with the worst, I got to be honest though, David. This is the, <laughs> you sound better right now than you've had <laughs> than we've had a few shows than you're in the UK. So I got to wonder a little bit about the UK's uh, <laughs> pipe over there because no, your voice came across really good today. Um, cool. If you guys want to send feedback to the show, we'd really appreciate it. It's feedback at mymac.com. Uh, and I'll, of course, send that over to David as well. We do have a voice Skype number. You can call and leave us voice message, and we'll play it right here on the show. It's 1 801 938 5559. And I do have a, a. It's not for Tech Fan itself, but it's for the, the MyMac podcast, but we're kind of using it as kind of a catch-off for all the different shows that the the network is providing and it's facebook.com slash my mac podcast so if you go up there and like it i'd really appreciate it it'd be great uh guys posting a lot of stuff up there not so much gas he's not really a big facebook fan neither is david i think it's something in the uk uk guys don't like facebook um (laughs) and uh i i post uh, if it's not mymac.com podcast related, I'm usually the one posting that, like the stuff for Pocket Size Podcast and Tech Fan. Uh, so go up there and like mymac.com podcast on Facebook. I'd appreciate it. And hey, you guys get this through um, iTunes, the majority of you. Go up there and give us a, a review of Tech Fan if you don't mind. I'd appreciate it. Tell us what you really think. And we do have uh, one other thing. We've talked about it briefly in a couple shows, but we do have in iTunes a channel called My Mac Potpourri. If you go there, it, you could find a link to it from MyMac.com. It is a link uh, to iTunes, and if you subscribe to that, you actually get all the different shows in the My Mac Podcasting family, including the My Mac Podcast, Tech Fan, Pocket Size Podcast, App Minute. And the brand new, recently relaunched Geekiest Show Ever with Justin Travis. So you get them all. I mean, it's all right there. Cool. So, David, you're on uh, Twitter. What's your handle? I'm David B. Cohen. And I am at MyMac. So check us out on Twitter. And we'll be back next week with another exciting, unplanned episode of Tech Fan.